All right, Jabosei, good evening, good evening. Let us begin. First of all, our share tonight, our week of learning, is sponsored. I forgot to mention it last night by Derek and Lauren Fine, in memory of Derek's mother, Rachel Bas Shmuel Sechorna Levracha. We hope that in the merit of our Tamator and the Shemuel Havan Aliyah and the family in Chama. Shkayach, and thank you. All right, Jabosei, so we are up to Daf Chafbeis 22, and we are picking up on Amar Abiyanai, which is 2, 2, uh, 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12, 13 lines up from the bottom. Amr Abiyanai. So says, So I have heard that some people ultimately, again, are mekil and some people are machmir. Now, that's a generally true statement. But what are we specifically talking about over here? Takana Sezra. Remember, again, we're still focused on Takana Sezra. Whether or not they balkari, a man who has a seminal emission, has to go to the mikvah prior to going ahead and learning Torah. Well, primarily learning Torah. So therefore, Abiyani comes along and says, I heard some people are mekel, lenient, some people are machmir. V'chola machmir ba al atzmo, and whoever is machmir in this particular inyan, ma'arich in lo yamav ushnosav. Oh, so that's like pretty dramatic, right? So whoever is machmir ultimately, again, in this particular area, Ultimately, again, he has his life and his right, enjoys longevity. Now, why exactly that bracha ultimately, again, is associated with this practice is interesting. But obviously, again, this notion, this notion of going to the mikvah or being careful to go to the mikvah after similarly mission, obviously, from the Isaac Chazal, represented like a heightened level of spiritual awareness. So a person who's living life with that level of spiritual awareness in this particular area most probably is living life with a heightened spiritual awareness in other areas of life as well. Such a person like that ultimately again is going to enjoy the bracha of longevity. So it's interesting. So Rabbi Shimon Levi says like this. Why do people go to the mikvah in the morning? Right, Nigmar says, "Why do people go to mikvah in the morning?" Mativan, Mativan, Torah. What do you mean, Rabbi Shimon Levi? You're the one who said, you're the one who said, you're the one who taught us that Ezra made this takana that you can't learn Torah without going to the mikvah. So, what do you mean? Why do people go to the mikvah in the morning? So he says, "Hakim Mazuri meant to say, Mativan kabin." What he meant to say was like this: Why do people need a mikvah? You don't need a mikvah for balkari. Instead, what do you need? Tisha Kabin, we spoke about this yesterday, we'll say Tisha Kabin, we'll call it, we'll call it six gallons of water. Right, five and a half, six gallons of water. Just pour that over you and you're good to go. Right, why does a person have to go to the mikvah? So, Mativan Bitvilah, Shabinasina, you don't have to immerse, but rather again, you could just have the water poured over you. So, Rabbi Chanina, Rabbi Chanina said, this is incredible. Gender Godel Gajruba. So, we'll say, listen to this. This is incredible. We'll say, you know, sometimes, you know, this happens to us that, that, we see a rabbinic law, right? The rabbis legislate in a, in a particular area. And what do we say to ourselves? Or maybe not to ourselves. Sometimes we say it out loud also. What do we say? Come on. All right, come on. Really? Right, that, 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 what we have to worry about? That's what you're going to legislate for? That's the... So I'll say, understand that when Chazal made a takana, often takanas have two levels. They have the stated level of understanding, but often on both sides, there, is, there are deeper levels as well that sometimes Chazal don't express. So look at the Gemara says, Rabbi Hanina says, Geder Gadl Gadjuba. This takana creates a protective fence for us in ways that sometimes we don't even fully appreciate. This sign, listen to this. There was once a man who propositioned a woman to do something inappropriate. Now Rashi points out over here that this is not an adultery case. But Rashi points out over here was a single, single man and a single girl. Still us, sir. Still us, sir. But Lamaise again, not as severe as adultery. 
He was going to sin with her. Amr says, she said to him, Reka, you empty one, you fool. Do you have a mikvah that you're going to use afterwards? <laughs> this is incredible. So she says to him, she says to him, how can you sin with me? You don't have a mikvah. And if you don't have a mikvah, then what? You won't be able to learn Torah. So we'll see. So what do you, well, so what do you see from here? Right? What were the guy's plans after this rendezvous? I guess he was going to Amadiomi, right? Or whatever, right? He was like, you know, he was, he was going to Dafyomi. He was going to, he, he, he was going to Shear. He was going to Shear. So she said, there's no mikvah. So you're going to sin with me and then you're going to be stuck. And what happened? Miya Piresh. He decided not to sin. I will say, now, this story sounds so incredibly strange, but it's actually not. I will say, if you think about it in life, all of us have things that, like lines we won't cross, right? Certain things I won't do. Now, if somebody were to look at the things that I will do and the things that I won't do, often it creates a very incongruous picture. <laughs> I don't understand. You're careful with this, but you're not careful with that, right? So in other words, you're willing to engage in immorality, but you're worried about, you're worried about the mikvah, you're worried about Takanas Ezra. So I will say, we all have that. We all have that. There are things that I will do, knowing full well that I shouldn't do them. But everyone has like that line that they won't cross. There's another piece of this also, which I think is incredible. For this guy, this guy in this story, what did the mikvah represent? What does the mikvah represent? What would you say? Torah. Torah. Good. What else did it represent? It represented the ability to kind of like make a dividing line between what was and what will be. In other words, most times in life, why do we sin? Right? We'll say, what's the psychology of sin? I'm not asking why people sin. But like, you know, if you ever, if you ever take out a piece of paper, right? And you write, you put, put your favorite Avera on the top of the paper. Don't, don't do it now. But put, right, put your favorite Avera on the top of the paper, right? Make two columns. Pros, cons. Which column will always win? Cons. Right? It took you a little bit long, too long. Right, right, correct. Right, cons, right? Cons always wins, I will say. Why? It's very simple. Whatever you're going to get out of an Avera, it's limited and temporal, right? The fallout from an Avera could be eternal. Could be eternal. So why do we sin? Right? So number one is I just can't see past the present, right? All I'm looking at is right now. I'm not looking in the future, right? There's a lot of psychology to sin. Some of it is arrogance that I don't want to be told what to do. And even though it's God who's telling me what to do, you're, I know you're God and everything, but I'm Shmuel Silber. Don't tell me what to do, right? That's another piece of it. Jose, but an, I, I think really what really drives us more than anything is that I think that I could sin and I could still be the same person. Like if I understood in reality how much every single Avera changes me, I wouldn't do it, right? If, if I recognize that every single time I come into Avera, it literally goes ahead and like tears away at the spiritual fabric of my persona, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. But deep down what we convince ourselves of is I could kind of do whatever I want to do and still be the same good guy, right? So for this guy, I'll say, what's his? He's got a whole plan, right? If you were to stop this guy, we'll call him Ruvain. Ruvain, what's your plan? Right? What's your plan? Ruvain would say, listen, I really like Rachel. She's a wonderful girl, right? Alamailas, wonderful midos, right? I'm going to do whatever I'm going to do. But here's the good news. Tomorrow morning, I'm back in the base madrash. Like nothing happens. It's fantastic. Shalom al-Yisrael. Right? I didn't miss a beat. I, I didn't even miss Shear. I didn't miss Shear. Right? This was between stardom. Right? So again, I, I, didn't, I, I, didn't, I didn't miss Shear. Nothing. Right? Nothing. I was in yeshiva the whole time. Nothing ever happened. It's perfect. I'll go to the mikvah, reset the clock, and perfect. 
Say, so when she tells him, by the way, there's no mikvah. There's no mikvah. What does he realize? He realizes that, oh, if I do this, if I do this, then the residual effect remains. And what does he say? Once he realizes the residual effect remains, miyad pirish. He said, no, I don't, I don't want it. See, I will say, the moment that I realize that sin has long-term effects is the moment that I don't want to do it anymore. Which is so interesting, right? See, I, I, I'm happy to do something right here and now as long as I could convince myself that as soon as it's over, I could go back to being the same good guy. Then I'm willing to do that, as delusional as that may be. But the moment that I'm confronted with the reality that I could, can't do whatever I want to still be the same good guy, miyat pirish. It's, it's, so, it's so incredible. So really two profound lessons. Lesson number one is we all live with these inconsistencies of the things that I would never do that. Okay, well, <laughs> but I do everything else, right? Like, but, but we all, okay, we all have our red lines. And number two, the psychology of sin is I think I could do whatever I want to do, still remain the same good guy. But the moment that I realize that that's not true, sin has a residual long-term effect Ultimately, it's no longer worth it. Incredible Gemara. Let's go by it. Amr lo Rafuna, the Rabbanon. So, Amr lo Rafuna, the Rabbanon. Rabosai, Mipnei Matem Zazlam Bitzilazu. So, we'll say, watch this. Rafuna saw that his rabbinic colleagues were not careful with. Oh, now I taste the orange. Yeah, now, now it came out. Now it came out. There is a whole world that you're missing. The flavor, like it, like pops. Mamish. All right. Sure, sure. Delicious. Okay. So Ravuna said, Ravuna said to the Rabbanon, he said, Rabosai, why are you not careful with Takana Sezra? Right? Literally again, why, they were, apparently, they weren't going to the mikvah. They were going to the mikvah after having some, so why are you not doing this? Listen to this. Maybe he'll say the mikvah is too cold. Because of the cold. He says, no problem. F sharp, no problem. So he used the bathhouses. He used the bathhouses. I'm going to from the Rabbanon. I'm sorry. One second, use the bathhouses. You can't go to the mikvah in the bathhouse. Now, both say, now, what's the logic behind that? Remember, for, to, for waters to be usable for a mikvah, they can't be in a kli, they can't be in a utensil. Remember, again, both say, in the bathhouses of old, how did you, how, how did you have a bathhouse? Essentially, the, the bathing, the, the tub, so to speak, was like one big pot like one big cauldron, there was a fire lit under it, which means that water, water in the, in the, in the bath, and then we'll call it in the tub, in the receptacle, was water in a kli and not usable for a mikvah. So how, how could he say you could immerse, you could immerse in the bathhouse? He said, you're right, Rav Adabarava holds like you, that ultimately, again, the bathhouse cannot, cannot be used, cannot be used uh, as a mikvah, and you need for Takanas as a regular mikvah. Okay. Rabbi Zera, Havi Yosef, Ba'agno, Demaya Be'masus. Listen to this. Rabbi Zera was sitting in the bathhouse. He was sitting in the bath in the bathhouse. What happened? Amr the Shameh, he said to his attendant, Zil va'aisli tishakabin, v'shadiluya, do me a favor, go grab tishakabin, Go grab the right, the nine cup of water, and pour it over me. Pour it over me. It's good to have an attendant. No, I'm just saying, like, have like a, it's good service like that, right? So go, go, go and get the nine cup and then pour it over me. So Abba said to him, he said, I don't understand. Why, do, why does your attendant have to go get nine cup and pour it over you? You're sitting in more than nine cup of water. So just go ahead and I don't know, just like dunk down. And why can't you just dunk? It's not a mikvah, it's not a mikvah, but it's more than nine kavan of water. So just go ahead and dunk down into the nine kavan of water and you're done. 
Because nine kavin is equated to a mikvah. In what sense? Just like a mikvah only works with immersion and not pouring. So too, if you're going to use the nine kav option, I'll say it only works with pouring and not with immersing. So this is actually very interesting. In other words, there's two mechanisms ultimately that can be used for purification after a seminal emission. Immersion in a mikvah or nine kavin of water. But they work differently. Immersion in a mikvah is exactly that. Immersion in a proper mikvah. Nine kavin of water is water being poured over you. Right? But not immersing in nine kavan of water. Interesting. Let's go right there. Rav Nachman tikein chatzba bas tisha kavan. So I'll say what happened. Rav Nachman is interesting. Rav Nachman made a kli, he made a utensil that held nine kavan of water. It's a balkari jug, right? It's a balkari jug, right? You could, get a, you could get a package, like a Shabbos lamp, you know, a balkari jug, right? You can get it, right? You get, you buy, right? You get, uh, you get a package at the Svarim store, right? Every say, he had a, he had a, right? he had a, he had a balkari jug. So this was the whole, this held nine cabin of water. So, ki azur of dimi, on Rabbi Akiv, Rabbi Huda, Rabbi Huda, glustera, so Rabbi Huda glustera, amru, loshan el lechola laonso. What, this is very interesting. So now we're going to get into a little bit of a machlokas. When does Tisha Kabin work? So some say Tisha Kabin only works for a person who's ill. For a person who's ill and had an involuntary emission. So I'll say that's when nine Kabin will work. There's two criteria. Sick or ill and involuntary. So then in that case, you don't need a mikvah. Pouring the water over you is fine. But ultimately, again, even if a person is ill, but the emission was willful, then ultimately, again, you need a mikvah. Um, Rav Yosef says, Atbar Rav Nachman. You just broke the jug of Rav Nachman. Essentially, you, you rendered the jug useless because now the jug is only going to be useful in one specific case, i.e., a person who was ill and had an involuntary emission. So the Gemara says, Ki Rabin, Amar Ruusha, Hava Ovda. So Rav Nachman came along and Rav Nachman's like this. He says, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. When Ravin came, he said, in the city of Usha, they had the following episode, right? Amad Beis, 22b. So one time the rabbis were gathered in the in the like the, the entrance way, right? The entrance, like the foyer, ultimately of Voshia's house. Vishal Asi. Vishal Asi. And they asked Ravasi about this whole thing. When can you use Tisha Kabin versus when do you need a mikvah? Well, Amr said to them, So Rav Asi said something very Asi said, When can you use Tisha Kabin? You can use Tisha Kabin ultimately, again, for a person who's ill, even if it was a willful emission. But if Halacha Lamaisa, the person is ill, and it was an involuntary emission, Pater Miklum, he doesn't need anything. In other words, the Takana doesn't apply to such an individual, and such a person will not need any type of immersion or, immersion or pouring at all. And Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yosef says, it's Tamin Chasid Rav Nachman. You have repaired the jug of Rav Nachman, right? Because now Rav Nachman's jug is usable again, both for a regular person as well as for an ill person who had a willful emission. So we'll say, we'll stop over here for tonight. What, what you're going to see, we're going to continue with this tomorrow. We have one more, one more shear concerning this Takana Sazer. Hopefully tomorrow night we'll get to the Halacha Lamais as well. But now what you begin to see is like this. We essentially have two different mechanisms for purification for the Balkari. One is immersion in the mikvah. One ultimately, again, is Tisha Kabin, pouring of water. So I will say, so we kind of thought that they both work 
at the same level. It's an either or. What Digmar seems to be introducing us now to is this idea that that's not true. There are certain circumstances for which you need the mikvah, and Tisha Kabin will not work, and certain situations where you don't need the mikvah, and even Tisha Kabin will work. Mirat Hashem will sort it out tomorrow. Shkoyach.